Welcome, and thanks for listening to the New Life Christian Ministries podcast. If you'd like more information about New Life or for more podcasts and other media, go to newlifexn.org. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for who you are, and we thank you for being worthy of our worship and praise. Today, as we continue to talk about prayer, we thank you that you are always listening. We thank you that whatever time of day or night that we come to you, you are there. And we pray today that you would open our hearts, God, that you would speak to our spirits. We pray that you would let us receive the message that you have from your word today, that we might be more grateful people and that we might live to your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. I'm Pastor Chris. I'm the lead pastor here at New Life. And as I've been saying, I'm chomping at the bit. I've been away for two weeks. Well, I was only away for one week, but I I was away from preaching for two weeks. And so uh, this week, I'm very, very enthusiastic about being smack dab in the middle of this series called Heads Up. And the reason I'm really uh, enthusiastic is because of what you all have been telling me. Not all of you, but some of you have come to me and said, Pastor Chris, you know this Heads Up series, this 40-20-10 prayer challenge? It's messing up my life. And that's good, because what they mean, what you mean when you've told me this, is God is speaking into your life as you've been listening, and that's the part that's messing you up. Not the part about praying to God, but listening. And He's speaking to you, and He's making some changes, and they're life-altering changes. And, and it brings to mind what Pastor Mark talked about a couple weeks ago in his message on adoration, when he said he was living a life that on the surface looked like a life that was glorifying God. He was going to college for youth ministry. He was working in a church, but on the inside, he was empty. And in the midst of that, he went to his room in the basement of his house, and he cried out to God, and God answered. And that's what God does. God loves to answer when we cry out to him in love and, and, and fearful respect, as he talked about, was, what was a very good definition of adoration. And if you weren't here two weeks ago, I'd encourage you to go online and watch it, as I had to, because I wasn't here two weeks ago either. I was in Cuba and uh, www.newlifexn.org, and you can watch all the videos of the past messages, and I would very much encourage you to watch the message from two weeks ago. Um, And so, as I said, we're in this series called Heads Up, and we've been going through an acronym for a pattern of prayer that's called ACTS, A-C-T-S, Adoration, which Pastor Mark talked about, Confession, Thanksgiving, Supplication, and then in parentheses, I, for intercession. Supplication is praying for our needs. Intercession is praying for the needs of others. And today, uh, well, before we get to today, last week, Pastor Brad had, I really think, the best sermon I've ever heard on confession. And, And the thing that I realized as I was listening and as I reflected on it, and I got to listen to it four times, which is awesome. But as I listened to it and then reflected on it is what Brad said that made the the most impact to me was that when we confess our sins to God and then we receive his forgiveness, it restores the joy to our lives. And and King David, the psalmist, is one who said that. And, And I realized that Western Pennsylvania is a tough area to minister. I don't know if y'all realize, if you lived here all your life, you might not know that, but pastors get together and they talk about this sort of cloud of darkness that's over Western Pennsylvania. People from outside of it talk about it too. And I think part of it, I'm not saying all of us are sinners and we just need to confess. Well, I am sort of saying that. We are all sinners and we do need to confess. But when we confess our sins, what happens is that that, that darkness lifts 
and the joy of our lives is restored. And so Pastor Brad talked about that last week. So now here I am talking about Thanksgiving. It's a, on the surface a very simple message because I, you know, I did what, what all young pastors do, being that I'm 58 and a half. Uh, I went to dictionary.com and I looked up the definition of Thanksgiving and it said, Thanksgiving is giving thanks. Thanksgiving is giving thanks. A lot of help there. Okay, thanks is gratitude for blessings received. And, and in our case, it's for God. So we're going to talk about thanksgiving today in the context of what it means to thank God for all his blessings. And I was thinking about this acronym, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication, and I realized something. If we recognize that there is a God, and this God is the creator of all that exists, it would only be natural that we would adore him. In fact, I took my daughter Emmy's Bible with me to Cuba, and it's a Spanish-English Bible because um, she actually is very fluent in Spanish, and she's been to Mexico lots of times on mission trips. But anyway, I took it with me because they speak Spanish in Cuba. But I felt led to go through her Bible and look at every passage that she had either underlined or she had written a comment about. And one of the places was in Exodus 3 where God is speaking to Moses in the burning bush. And God, you know, Moses says, what, what's your name? When I go back to the Israelites and I say, you know, the God of your ancestors uh, talked to you, well, what's, what's your name? And God says, I am. I don't know how he said it. I am. Okay, I am. And Emmy had written, and she got this, I think she got this from Mark Geppert, and she said, I am who I am because the I am says I am. And I thought, whoa, that's pretty cool. And then I looked up the margin, and up the margin it said this. And this was her quote that she had written. She said, God is the I am, so I am not. There, that's a whole sermon. God is the I am, so I am not. In other words, if you recognize there's a God who is the I am, who created everything, he was, he is, he is to come, this God is the God over everything, then what happens is you go, oh, look at me. I'm not that much. In fact, I'm a sinner. And then we start to confess. That's adoration leads to confession because we look in the mirror and go, ooh, it's not me that's God. So I start to confess my sins to God and I receive forgiveness from God. And then what happens naturally after we adore God and confess our sins is we start to thank God. And what I've realized as I continue, I've been a Christian for 46 years Longer than most of you in the room have been alive. 46 years I've been following Jesus. And what I realize is the older I get, the more thankful I get because there is a God who has a son whose name is Jesus, who died on the cross and rose from the dead and went back to heaven and sent his Holy Spirit and he's coming again. And I'm thankful for all of those things. And what I have found as I get older is I get up a lot more in the nighttime than I used to. In fact, I never sleep the whole way through a night. Sometimes I just have to go to the bathroom. Sometimes I wake up with a headache. Sometimes I wake up and I have a burden of prayer for somebody in the middle of the night. Um, this morning it was 444, 444. I don't know if there's a special verse or anything. I'm not, I'm not into that stuff, you know, that I wake up and so it's a special verse. I wake up and go, thank you, Jesus. Honestly, that's what I do at this point in my life. I wake up, whether I have a headache, whether I have to go to the bathroom, whether, uh, you know, whether just, I just wake up. I just say, thank you, Jesus. Because I know he's there. And, and that is something that is incredible. In our lives, if we adore the God who exists and we know him through his son Jesus and we have the Holy Spirit in our lives and we have this opportunity to say thank you pretty much all the time. And one of the things that I, I realized is if you look through the, the characters in the Bible, 
One of my favorites is Elijah. And the reason Elijah is one of my favorites is I'm sort of a doer kind of a guy. And Elijah seemed like that. And one day Elijah was just tired of the people of Israel following a false god called Baal. And so he called out the prophets of Baal. There were 600 of them, Baal and Asherah. And so it was 600 to 1. One prophet of God, 600 prophets of Baal. And the, and the thing they were going to do was they were going to have a contest. by. They each had a cow that they sacrificed. And then they built an altar. And, and they were going to call fire down from heaven. Whoever's God would burn up the, the thing without fire, you know, just fire from heaven. Then that God would be the real God. And so Elijah let Baal go first. And the prophets of Baal go first. And of course... There wasn't any fire from heaven for the prophets of Baal because Baal's not a god. He's just an idol. He's not real. And, and so at the end of the day, in the evening time of sacrifice, um, Elijah says to the people, okay, well, actually, he says to God, God, I just want you to verify that I am your prophet and that you are God, so just send some fire down. And, and it all burns up. And, and actually, Elijah had made it harder by having water poured on the stuff, and it, it burned up the, the sacrifice and the water. And, and so then all the people said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And then they killed all the prophets of Baal. And so here's Elijah, best day of his life. I would have to think it was the best day of his life. And he gets a little telegram. Actually, it was just a messenger from Jezebel, Queen Jezebel, who was a wicked queen. And King Ahab was just as bad. Anyway, she says, uh, what you did to my prophets, I'm going to do that to you by this time tomorrow. Now, you would think that what Elijah would say would be, yeah, right. But he didn't. He took off running, and he didn't just take off running for like a couple hours. He ran for 40 days, and he found a cave, and he hid in a cave, and he said to God, kill me. I don't even want to live anymore. And, and so God wanted to demonstrate that he was there. And what did God do? God sent lightning, but it says he, God wasn't in that. You know, he sent fire. God wasn't in that. He sent an earthquake. God wasn't in that. And then he whispered. It says a still, small voice in some translations. He whispered. And there's a guy named Stephen Furtick, and he wrote a book. And in that book, he says, do you know why God whispered to Elijah? And the answer is simple. Because he's so close. When you're close, you don't have to yell. And so in the middle of the night, I wake up and I listen for God. And I know he's there. And sometimes he answers and sometimes he doesn't. But I'm always thankful. And that's what we're going to do today is we're going to look at five verses well, actually, there's like three verses here and two verses there and one verse in some place. But five different passages from the New Testament that talk about Thanksgiving. And before we do that, let's look at our take-home point for today. If you're new here, every week we seek to make just one point. And here's this week's one point. And that is that the depth of our gratitude indicates the depth of our faith in God. The depth of our gratitude indicates the depth of our faith in God. Now, when we first become believers... And everybody does this in a different way, but one thing that's real about when we become followers of Jesus is we realize for the first time that there's a God who loves us, who loved us so much that he died on the cross for us and he rose again for us and he reigns in power over us. And, and so we say it's natural to say thank you. Thank you for saving me from sin and death. Thank you, thank you, thank you. But what happens is over time, sometimes that gratitude wears off. And in this culture, it's very easy for the gratitude to wear off because if you turn on your television ever and watch a commercial, that commercial is going to tell you, don't be grateful. It won't say it that way. What it will say is, you need a new deodorant. You need a new car. You, you need a new house. You need a new beer. Maybe a light beer, maybe a dark beer, but you need something. And if you have one of those, 
then you could be grateful because you would be somebody. You would be important. You would be real. You would be good. You see, our culture tells us, don't be, gra- don't be grateful, don't be grateful. And, and, and the thing is, I just came back from Cuba. And every time I go to Cuba, I come back incredibly grateful. Because they don't have commercials. <laughs> That's one reason why I'm grateful. <laughs> but I'm grateful because of all that I've been blessed with. No matter what I think I have when I go to Cuba, I realize I have so much more. And all those commercials that are telling me I need more, I don't. In fact, this time I was talking about generosity, and so God sort of led me to give away a pair of pants, sort of as a show of generosity. And then I'm walking back to my room after I gave the talk, and and it was sort of weird because God spoke to me, and here's what he said. Really? A pair of pants. That's what you got. A pair of pants. You're going to be generous by giving away a pair of pants. you got a whole suitcase full of clothes, don't you? So I went back to my suitcase, and I started rooting through my suitcase, and I said, I don't really like that shirt that much, so I pulled it out. I don't really like that pair of pants that much, so I pulled it. And then I had this really nice shirt. It was my favorite shirt. I don't know why I took it to Cuba, but it was my favorite shirt. And I'm like, well, I'm not giving that. And then it's like, again, I hear, really? So I, took, I gave my favorite. I gave them all away. My shirt, everything but my dirty underwear and my dirty socks. I felt good about that. Not giving those away. But I gave away all my shirts, all my pants. And at lunchtime, uh, or I'm sorry, at dinner, dinner time, this was in the, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. I gave away all this stuff to the next group. And at dinner time, I looked over, and there's this guy wearing my best favorite shirt. <laughs> I had already worn it. It wasn't even washed. He just put it on, you know. And, and, I, and I was like, whoa, he looks actually good in that shirt. Better than I do, really. And, and, but the thing was... If I go back next year, he'll be wearing that same shirt. But this shirt, I bought it Friday night. I didn't have any shirts. I did. See, I did. You know I had shirts. I had a lot of shirts. But I had to go back and I said, well, I'm going to replace all this stuff that I... And then now I'm looking at shirts and saying, well, will that look good on a Cuban? <laughs> because, you know, I might have to give it all away. So anyway... Anyway, the point of all of that is, when you go to Cuba as an American, you realize how many things for which to give thanks you have, and, and that's just the tip of the iceberg, because that's just material blessings. And then there's all this other stuff. So let's look at the scripture. The first one is a very familiar one. The very familiar one about the miracle that is only only miracle that's in all four Gospels. It's the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. And actually, it's more than 5,000 because the 5,000 is just the men that were there that day. And I'm sure if there were 5,000 men, probably 10,000 women, probably a whole bunch of kids. But let's just say 5,000. And the thing we're going to read about is the fact that there wasn't really enough to feed all those people and what happened. So here's what happened. Uh, oh, the, the not really enough. There were five loaves of bread and two fish for 5,000 people. So here's what it says. Don't worry about anything. Instead, oh, I'm on the wrong page. Ah, here we go. Tell everyone to sit down, Jesus said. So they all sat down on the grassy slopes. The men alone numbered 5,000. There you go. Then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks to God, and distributed them to the people. Afterward, he did the same with the fish, and they all ate as much as they wanted. So here's the picture. There's five loaves of bread, two fish. Jesus takes the five loaves, two fish, looks out at 5,000 men, all the women, all the kids, and he says, thank you, Jesus. No, well, that'd be thank you me, right? Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Wait a minute. He had five loaves of bread and two fish. He's going to feed 5,000 people. And what do we do when we have five loaves of bread and two fish? We've got to feed 5,000 people. We go, whoa, that's not enough. 
In fact, what had the disciples said to Jesus? Jesus said, hey, feed these people. They've been around here all day. I've been preaching all day long. They won't leave. That's interesting that somebody could preach all day and the people wouldn't leave. They won't leave, so you got to feed them or they're going to faint on their way home. And the, and the disciples look at Jesus and go, you're nuts. I mean, it doesn't say that in the Bible, but I'm pretty sure that's what they're thinking. we got five loaves of bread, two fish. We're going to feed 5,000 people. Right, Jesus. And don't we say that? I don't have enough. And it's never going to be enough. So how could I say thank you? But Jesus thanked God, his heavenly Father. And because Jesus' faith was incredible and actually infinite, he knew that he could thank God before he had enough and there would be enough. And that's what happened. And I want to give you just a little illustration of something like that that happened in my life 15 years ago. 15 years ago, a person walked up to me and handed me $2,000 and said, let's start a church. So I went home and Nancy and, and Amy and Abby and I, we got down on our knees and we thanked God and we started a church. And 15 years later, that $2,000 has been multiplied more than a thousand times. And just in January and February, well, December, Christmas Eve and January and February, it was multiplied 20 times. $40,000 was sent to Cuba to buy 11 churches to see that 250 pastors and missionaries who were tired and worn out from their ministry could have a week of renewal. And they ate better in that week than they've eaten, you know, in a long time. And someone went home looking pretty sharp. You'll get that on the way home. Okay, so, uh, and, and also, 1,200 people, 1,200 people got to come and hear the gospel in Cuba on Thursday night because you all gave $40,000, multiplied our little 2,000 bucks. It wasn't even mine. 20 times in January and February, but over 1,000 times in the course of 15 years. It only took Jesus an afternoon. <laughs> took us 15 years, but God is doing that miracle. And so sometimes, here's, here's the point of that little passage of Scripture. Remember to give thanks before you have enough. Before, and then watch God work. Okay, let's look at the second one. Paul says this in Ephesians chapter 5, and give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now that's a tough one. Give thanks for everything. Some people want to interrupt and say, Pastor Chris, it doesn't actually say for, it says in all circumstances. No, that's the last verse we're going to read. It actually does say in the Greek and in the English, give thanks for everything. Well, how can I give thanks that my child isn't following Jesus? How can I give thanks that I lost my job? How can I give thanks that my husband or wife is leaving me? How can I give thanks? And you fill in the blank for the te most terrible thing that you've experienced in your life. How can I do that? Paul tells us that that's what we're supposed to do. That takes a lot of faith, doesn't it? It takes a lot of faith to say, no matter what, I'm going to thank God. And Pastor Mark's favorite guy from the Old Testament, more favorite than Jesus, was Job, according to the message he preached. And, and, and here's what Job says, and this is so incredible. Job says, though he slay me, yet will I hope in him. In other words, he can kill me, but I'm still going to hope in him. Now, that seems impossible. If you're dead, how can you hope in God? Well, obviously, Job, even before Jesus came, believed that God could raise him back. So Job said, even though he kills me, I'm going to believe in him. And in our lives, what God wants us to do is to give thanks for everything. So when you get laid off, when your kids aren't following Jesus, when your, you know, your best friend dies, you're supposed to thank God. Now, I'm going to tell you something. Pastor Mark made a very good point a couple weeks ago. He said when he first started preaching that his, somebody told him that you should never be the hero of the stories you tell. 
because, you know, that's just, because we're really not most of the time. But, but what, when Pastor Mark told that story about how he was so desperate for God and he cried out to God and God answered, you know what? Pastor Mark wasn't the hero of that story. God was. God is always a hero of the story. And, 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 and Mark looked good only because he listened to God. And, and what I want to tell you right now is whenever we trust Jesus as our Savior and Lord, you know, we're babies, spiritual babies. That's what Jesus said in John 3. And as we grow up, what happens is we listen to God more and more and more. And so some of the stories that we tell start to be God, you know, gave us this situation that we were in. Well, maybe the devil gave us this situation that we were in. And we cried out to God. And so all that we can really say is we cried out to God. And, and, but I want you to know that you can do that. And, and, and there, this story that I'm going to tell you right now shows the progression of that. Because in my life, I said that I can wake up with a headache in the middle of the night and say thank you. It wasn't always that way. I can wake up in the middle of the night and think about my daughters and say thank you. It wasn't always that way. Back when I was 30, Nancy and I had been trying to have children for nine years and we could not. And then she finally got pregnant. And then she had a miscarriage. And I want to tell you the first thing I said to God. It was the stupidest thing I've ever said to God. But this is what I said. I said, God, you have no idea what it's like to lose a child. And then I went, uh, maybe you do. And I realized not only a child that wasn't born yet, but a child that had grown up and it was perfect and never did anything wrong and didn't deserve to die. And he died for the sins of the world. And so God has a pretty good idea of what happens in this world of sin. And that the best are sometimes marked for the worst. And, and so when, when that happened, I, I, I yelled at God and I screamed at God. And, and, and eventually, eventually I got to thank you, God. Hear what I'm saying. This is very important. I didn't say thank you, God, that my baby died. I've never, I didn't say thank you, God, when my mother died. I, I haven't said thank you, God, that my children are not following you. What I've said is thank you, God, period, because you are with me in this, and I know there's something good going to come out of this because your word says that in all things you work for the good of those who love you and are called according to your purpose. So that's where, that's where we grow to, and it takes decades for some of us. Some of us are just faster at letting the Spirit lead in our lives. And so I've known people that have been Christians for just a short time, and they're already mature like that. And when bad things happen, they just accept it and know that God is with them, and so they can say thank you. But Paul is saying that we are to thank God for everything. And then the next thing Paul says in the Philippian church this time is, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So Paul tells us three things about prayer right here. First thing he says is, don't worry, pray. The second thing he says is, ask God for all your needs. And then the third thing he says is, thank God for all you have already received. Let's think about those three things. First is, don't worry, pray. Now, let me ask you a question. And don't, don't raise your hand or don't answer out loud, but just in your head. When, the, when you have a problem in your life, do you ever worry? Or do you always pray? You see, I think all of us at some point in our lives, something happens and we start to worry. But what Paul says, what Jesus says, what most of the biblical writers say is, don't worry, pray. Because when we pray, we put it in the hands of the person who can do something. But when we worry, we basically, most of the time, we think about things that might happen that usually don't. 
You know, worry is like paying taxes on money you didn't earn yet. But prayer is a solution. And then he says, tell God everything you need. Everything you need. From the littlest thing to the biggest thing. God already knows, but he wants you to ask. And that process of asking God to meet our needs, is a, it's a way that we show that we're dependent on him. We need him. We, if, if we don't have him, we're, we're done. And then it says, thank him for what you have already received. There, there are many times every day when I think about my daughters and how they're not following Jesus right now. And when I do that, the easy thing is to worry. The easy thing is to just like beg God, please, 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 please. And I do that. But more and more, what I'm realizing is what Paul said is true. God has already done amazing, incredible things in my life, in their lives, in all of our life together. God is a miracle working God. And so I thank God for what he's already done. And you know what that does? It increases my faith that he's going to do more. It increases my faith that the things that he hasn't yet done, he will do in his timing. And, and, and I wish his timing was my timing more often, but it isn't. So Paul is saying just the act of remembering all we have for which to give thanks to God deepens our faith. Just the act of remembering it. The next time you're worrying, the next time you're wondering, the next time you're you know, going down that line of thinking, just say, God, I thank you and start thanking him for all that he has already done. Then the next one is this, and it's the Colossian church. Paul says this, and whatever you say, do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Colossians 3.17. That's my life verse. For those of you who don't know what a life verse is, a life verse is the verse that you use to basically sort of gauge your life and what you're doing. And the reason Colossians 3.17 is my life verse, and I've memorized it in the NIV, not the NLT, it says this, whatever you do, in word, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. I'm a doer. I wake up in the morning, I say, what am I going to do? That's what I do. <laughs> I'm a doer. And, and so because of that, um, that verse really appeals to me. I'm ready for the next hill. What's the next hill? And one of the things I have a hard time doing is giving thanks. You know why? Because whenever something is done, I'm ready on to the next one. I don't stop and say, thank you, God. I'm ready for the next one. The day we opened up this building, guess what I was doing? Thinking about the next one. Because I know that there are children and adults in this community who need the next one. And there's another one. And I, and I think about that. But what Paul says is, whatever you do, give thanks. Stop a minute. And now, there's a couple things about that, whatever you do. First of all, you cannot sin. I cannot sin and, and do that in the name of Jesus, right? We can't do, I can't stand up here and lie in the name of Jesus. It, it's just not, it's impossible. So we can't do something that's against the will of God in, in the name of Jesus and give thanks for that. So that limits, limits some of our activities. But the other thing is, when we pause and say, God, I thank you that today, I'll give you one. This is a very little one. How many of you had breakfast? Anybody? Gee whiz, don't you know breakfast is the most important meal of the day? Okay, so those of you who had breakfast, how many of you could taste the food you ate? Okay, the reason I ask that is because my wife's been sick for four days and she can't taste anything. That, that's not fun when you can't taste the food you eat. I mean, I just cut a pineapple last night. It's the best pineapple I've had since I came back from Cuba. And it, it tasted really good. And I said, man, do you taste this pineapple? And she's like, no. So I thank God that I can taste. And that's a little thing to thank God for, right? So in all things, in all things. So that's the point of that verse, that whatever we do, we do it in the name of God the Father. And we give thanks to, uh, we, I should say we do it in the name of Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father. So all, not for half of it, not for a part of it, but all of it. 
And then the final verse we're going to look at today, it's actually three quick little verses, says this. Always be joyful, never stop praying, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Always be joyful. Notice it doesn't say always be happy. Our culture is stuck on this thing of being happy. Happiness is the goal of life. I just want to be happy. And happiness happens in an instance. Happiness and happenstance come from the same root. So if I get my food now, I'm happy. If I get my new car when I want it, I'm happy. If my wife does what I want her to do, I'm happy. Then happiness is never actually the goal of our lives as followers of Jesus. You know, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, happiness. No, it's not. It's love, joy, joy. Joy is this sense that all is well even when nothing is well. In fact, one of the things that happens so often in my life is people come to me, you know, in their marriages and they say, I'm just not happy. Don't you think I deserve to be happy? Don't ever ask me that question. I love all of you. I really do. But you don't deserve to be happy and neither do I. We deserve to burn in hell forever. That's what we deserve. But thank be, thanks be to God, Jesus died on the cross to take the penalty for our sin so we don't have to. So now the goal of life is not happiness. The goal of our life is to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love our neighbors as ourselves. And it's to be joyful, always. And then he says, how do we do that? We pray without ceasing. Now, for, this, for the sake of this message series, we've divided the Acts I thing into, you know, five messages. But the truth of the matter is, I'm not going to just spend all day today and all week this week thanking God. I will adore God. I'll go, I mean, I already did. I went outside this morning and, whoa, what a beautiful day. Who created that? God. Thank you, God, for who you are, for, for this amazing world you've given us. You are amazing. So that's adoration. And then I confess to God. I mean, you're going to do that this week. You're not going to hold off confession because we already did that, right? You're going to confess to God. And hopefully what we will do is even more important than that is we will ask God to lead us from temptation so we won't even have to confess. It's better to not sin because God keeps us from it than it is to confess our sins. But if you need to, he's there and he's just and faithful to forgive our sins. Okay, Thanksgiving. And then are you not going to ask God for any needs till next week because we didn't get to supplication yet? Of course not. We ask God for stuff every day. And we certainly pray for those who are in need that we care about, or even people that we don't know about. So it's a package. And what Paul says is we need to do it all day. We wake up in the morning and we pray. We go through the day and we pray. At the end of the day, we pray. And then we go to sleep. And, and you know, I, I actually fell asleep and I dreamed that I was praying. And I'm not kidding. We were doing all this prayer stuff, you know. And I woke up and I was like, I wonder if I get credit for that. <laughs> but, but okay, anyway. So, pray without ceasing. And then it says, give thanks. And this time it's in all circumstances. Not for everything, but in all circumstances. So, whatever the circumstance is, we're supposed to give thanks in the midst of that. Now, I'm going to tell you about a circumstance that happened in Cuba that you would think would be an awesome circumstance and that I would be very, very extremely happy. But that's not exactly how I started out. Here's what happened. 
As I said, on Thursday night in Cuba, we were able to have 1,200 people come for an evangelistic crusade. We found out on Tuesday that the government had given approval for that. And so we were going to have this thing. We were praying, and some of us were praying and fasting. And, and, and there was a lot of prayer going into it. And we didn't know how many people would show up. There were 320 seats in the building, and those filled up. And then the aisles filled up. And then the outside rows filled up. And then the back filled up. And then the outside the building filled up. And there were 1,200 people there. And then the preacher preached for an hour. Well, actually, they worshiped for an hour first. And then the preacher preached for like 40 minutes. And then they said, if you want to know Jesus as your Savior and Lord, come forward. And 99 people, at least probably more than that, came forward. And it was amazing. And then it came time for the signs and wonders, you know, praying for healing. And I was one of the people on the, the, the team. And I think it was mainly because I'm an American and because I speak some Spanish. And they unfortunately didn't give me a translator. Um, and they also, unfortunately, put me in right in front of, like four feet in front of this speaker that was like this tall and this wide. And they were blaring the music as loud as they could, way louder than we have it here. And I know some of you don't like that. I don't really care. Okay. But anyway, but anyway, it was really, really loud and I couldn't hear anything. And I couldn't understand anything. And I was looking over and a blind lady that this other guy prayed for can see. And this little deaf kid that couldn't hear anything can now hear. And I'm praying for this lady that has a pain in her stomach, and she still has a pain in her stomach as far as I can tell. And so this is what happened. I'm going to just tell you what happened. I started going, really? Really? I'm praying for this lady, and all she got is a pain in her stomach, and nothing's happening. And I'm starting to go down this road that you don't want to go down. Because what did we say? That the level of our gratitude indicates the depth of our faith, right? Well, I was not grateful. And in that circumstance, I started to get upset. And I was like, God, why am I even here? And then I started, maybe that lady wasn't even blind. And I know she was. And and so that's the, the line of thinking. So here's what I did. I removed myself from the front of the place. And I went outside. And I just got myself right with God. And I said, God, I know you're doing an incredible thing here. Apparently, you don't want to do it through me tonight. That's okay. Because I'm here to serve you. And so what I'm going to do for the rest of the night, I'm going to walk around the building and pray. And I'm going to thank God every time. I'm going to thank you every time somebody goes up and, and, you know, they gave testimony when they got healed. So that's what I did the rest of the evening. I just walked back and forth and praying and praising God, thanking God. Now, here's the thing that some of you know about me. I'm the upfront guy. That's what I am. It's not just what I do. I don't just stand up here and preach because I'm the lead pastor. It's who I am. God has given me. I I mean, you know, Paul said, woe is me if I don't preach the gospel. And that's the way it is in my life. I just feel that way. There's this fire in my bones to preach the word of God to people so that they can know him and love him and serve him. But that night I was called to be the not up front person, but the out back person. In that circumstance, at first, you know, I, I was an object lesson, not an example. But then at second... When I had a chance to get outside and away from the blaring music and, and, and just get right with God, I was able to give thanks in that circumstance. And that's what I'm, I'm sure that that's what Paul was talking about. I know he was talking about the bad circumstances, but sometimes we, re, we don't realize that in a good circumstance, we can't even thank God then because it's not quite as good as the next person. You know, sometimes we have all that we could ask to have, but we want a little bit more. Sometimes God is showing up in our life every single day and he's answering our prayers and we know he is. And yet he hasn't answered this one prayer yet. And so in in that circumstance, even in that circumstance, we're supposed to give thanks to God because it's it's his will for us. If we do those things, what will happen is our faith will increase. 
what will happen is, as our faith increases, our gratitude will increase. It's, it's, they feed off of each other. We'll become more generous. We'll become more the people who will reach out with the love of Jesus to everybody, not just the people that we know and like, but we will have this burden in our heart. It's the heart of God. And it happens as we give thanks to God in all circumstances, for everything that happens, before anything happens. When we are worrying, just start to thank God. Thank you, God. I remember what you've done in my life so far. I know you're going to do more. Thank you, God, even though right now life is terrible on the surface. Inside, you're with me, so that makes life okay. Now, here's what we're going to do the next two weeks to close out this series. We're going to talk about supplication and intercession. And supplication is praying for our needs, and intercession is praying for the needs of others. And I I was thinking about this whole um, series, and I thought, we're talking about prayer. So why aren't we praying? And so when would be a good time to pray? Well, it would be a good time to pray when we're talking about needs. So next week, we're going to design the service. It's going to be different than it usually is. Now, that's an odd thing at New Life, right? Doing something different than we usually do. Um, But we're going to have the service designed so that we're going to come. The last three things are going to be the message and then the Lord's Supper. And then we're going to pray. And there will be people up front that you can come up and have pray for you or people in the back if you don't want to come. Or you can just sit in your chair because God hears our prayers before we ask them. And he hears our prayers whether they're out loud or whether they're silent. He hears our prayers whether they're in Spanish or Chinese or English. He hears our prayers Because he's the God of the universe. And so we're going to do that next week. And then the next week, we're going to do the same thing, but except we're not going to have the Lord's Supper. We're going to have the offering and stuff first. And then we're going to have um, they're going to have we're going to have the message and then we're going to have intercessory prayer. And the only difference is that you'll come up and have prayers for other people, for your children, for your parents, for people that you, you know, work with that don't know God or people that are overseas. Whatever it is that God brings to our hearts. And so we're going to invest some time in prayer. And I wanted to tell you that today because it's a little different. I just didn't want you to just come in and, whoa, okay? If you have friends who have needs for prayer, and we all do, bring bring them next week. And we'll say, this isn't the usual way we do things. I'll, I'll preface everything with that. But we're doing this because we're talking about prayer. And there's more accomplished by praying than talking about praying, right? So that's what we're going to do. So here's today's commitment. I will give thanks daily. I will give thanks daily. I will give thanks before I do something. Especially if I don't think it's going to work out so well. I will give thanks for everything. I will give thanks instead of worry. I will give thanks in in all circumstances. I will give thanks as I do what I do what I do what I do because I can do it. And because God is working in it. And as we do that, what will happen is people will see our faith. You see, gratitude is one of the best evidences of God's presence in a person's life. Because especially if your life is going in a direction where it looks on the outside like things aren't going well, but you're still grateful, people, that weirds people out. Did you, I mean, it's happening in my life right now because people say, how can you be so happy? I'm not. Joyful I am, given what's going on in your daughter's lives. Well, the reason I can be joyful is because God is in charge and because I know and I believe that they're coming back to who they already know. And and, and in your life, you might have a situation that you just, I mean, nobody would want. You wouldn't wish it on your worst enemy. 
But you can be joyful in that situation. And if you are, that will speak volumes to people. Because normal people, natural, living in the natural, can't do that. It's supernatural for us to be joyful when we're going through troubles. To be thankful when our life isn't the way we want it to be. And right now, I want to I close by talking to some of you in the room who came here today without knowing the God of the universe personally in the, the man Jesus Christ. You, you came because somebody invited you or maybe you've been coming for a while and you just don't know about this whole God thing. Um, and right now, I just want to ask you to do one thing. I want you to consider that the God who said, I am who I am, has a son named Jesus who came to die for you and for me. And, and that he died so that your sins could be forgiven, so that your life could be renewed and restored, and, and so that you can live in relationship with him. And you can speak to him, and he will hear your voice, and he will respond. And if you want that in your life, and you've never had that, right now, when we pray, I would ask you to pray that prayer with me. And, and for the rest of you, I'm, I'm going to pray something else, but let's pray. Heavenly Father, I do pray for the people in the room who came in, not sure if, if you exist, not sure that Jesus is God. And I pray right now, God, that you will convict them, that you will make it clear to them that you are real and that you do exist and that they need you. And God, I pray that right now they would simply say to you, God, I know that you're there. Jesus, I ask you to forgive my sins. And I ask you to come in and take over. Be my Lord, the owner of my life. Be my Savior. Save me from sin and death and save me for a life of meaning and purpose. And God, I know that each one who does that with well, the next thing out of their mouth is going to be thank you. Because that's what we want to say to you. Those of us who have trusted you as Savior and Lord, we want to say thank you, God. Thank you, period. Not because everything's great, but thank you because you are God. Thank you because you deserve our worship and our reverent and fearful respect. God, thank you because you are love and you deserve our love. Thank you that you are here with us and in us by your Holy Spirit. And thank you that you go with us wherever we go. And I pray today, God, for a new anointing, a new outpouring of your Holy Spirit in our lives. That all that we are and all that we do would make others see you in us. God, we thank you for that in advance and for what you'll do this week. In Jesus' name, amen.